Greetings, folks, and welcome to episode 130 of the Far Beyond Metal podcast. I'm your host and guide on this metal journey, Daniel Cordova. Sorry it's been so long. Short version, my cat almost died. And uh, we're we're getting through it, but she's doing one right now. Petting her right now. It's pretty great. Anyway, in this episode, Lise D'Angelo is back on the show. Lise is the vocalist of the band Filth is Eternal. Lisa and I are talking about the band's new album, Find Out, which is out on September 29th via MNRK Music Group. We're also chatting about Dungeons and Dragons, what it means to find out, Bucky's, how the record ties to Lisa coming out as non-binary, Lisa's weirdest show moment, having a let's go attitude on the record, and more. Now before my chat with Lisa, here's some of Crawl Space from Find Out. Let me uh, let me do this. There we go. Ty, look at us hanging out. Wow, technology, right? <laughs> exactly. Kind of poking at audio stuff while we chat. Cool. I think I'm good. So, hey, how have you been? I've been really well. I would say. <clears throat> I would say kind of equal parts well and, you know, stressed out anytime you're vamping up and you've got your record release coming out and there's, you know, tons of things you're doing to kind of um, bring all those pieces together. Like, so a little stressed, but I'm happy because we're about to hit the road for a period of time. So that always helps. I think just getting out there and just playing. I actually had a question I was going to ask later about the road stuff, but since we're here, um, what are your like non-essential essentials for when you're on the road? You know, you've got your, your chargers, your money, your food, all that clothes, but like, what's something that you bring? You don't really need to bring, but you need to bring. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to think of a non-essential essential. I think usually that ends up just being like what I do for what I purchase on the road for comfort. Um, which is usually just, I, I'm like obsessed with, orange soda <laughs> oh okay you're very kill in that way no that doesn't make any sense <laughs> but like i go in these cycles where i get obsessed about a thing and you know most tours it's been dr pepper but then because i don't drink soda regularly like i drink bubble water like a lot maybe too much but um when i go on tour i i cheat on my water only rule and i drink dr pepper but now it's orange soda I'm obsessed with it. Now, when you're out on the road, when you were doing uh, Dr. Pepper and now Orange Soda, are you looking for variations of it or you just want the like OG whatever uh, slice, I guess would be orange? Right. Totally. Yeah. Like some people has a, they have a preference like Fanta only. No, I don't care. Orange Soda, whatever. Bring it on. <laughs> in fact, I would say maybe that's, I do like make a game of it. I'm like, what do they have in this? Okay. I haven't tried this one before. It's hella generic. Let's party. 
What I like to do whenever I'm on a road trip going somewhere is you find along the busiest freeways is where they test out the craziest candy bars. And I've got a sugar <laughs> tooth. So it's you'll like find a weird pretzel Milky Way or something that you won't see anywhere else. So I've got to try that. Uh, I imagine it's probably the same for sodas because that's, you know, they're doing a test run on busy gas stations and shit, you know. Yeah, right. Like, yeah, because on tour, me pretty much live at gas stations. But um, and same thing goes for clothing. I have this sort of obsession with gas station clothing mm-hmm. <clears throat> or like, you know, accessories like ha- weird hats or, you know, the sunglasses. This just becomes, I don't know, this has been a theme my whole life or existence as a musician. At every tour, I have to pick up some like level of clothing and bring it home. And then it all kind of just, I don't really wear it on the regular, but it's there in my closet. <laughs> I don't understand it. Are you someone who's a big fan of Bucky's? The, uh, I love Bucky's. Of everyone course loves love Bucky's. Bucky's. It's crazy. I've never seen one. Well, I, I actually have a Bucky's story. Please. Um, I don't even know how funny it'll be or interesting, but I think it was one of those things you had to be in my head to, I think, appreciate it, but I'll still try to explain it. Um, I had never heard of Bucky's up until this moment, this exposure moment. And it was a middle of kind of a tough tour. And it was in the middle of like kind of a heat dome. It, I mean, just one of those tours where it wasn't, things were kind of like a series of misfortunate events. It wasn't anybody's fault. It's just things happen. And so my head was already kind of in a weird space going into this, but we walked in, we're walking up to the store and I'm kind of in mode. I'm just going to go, what am I going to get here? What is this place? And I walk in and everyone in the store goes, welcome to Bucky's. And I don't know (laughs) if it was like if there's only one Bucky or maybe it's a chain of Bucky's or if this was just a highly like super high spirited Bucky's. I don't know. It just felt over the top because I have been to Bucky's since maybe the same one. It didn't have this level of like extreme welcome to Bucky's. Like they were almost like it was exaggerated. Like I don't know how to explain it. Like they had to um, that was their flair. Like they had to shot as loud as they could um, to like check that box. I lost it. I just like walked in and just started having, I had a laughing fit mm-hmm. all the way to the bathroom. I had to like find a place to go hide because I was just crying and laughing uncontrollably. It just hit me in a perfect moment in the spot that I needed to be like, I don't know. I just, it was really funny. I guess, see, this is not funny. This is funny <laughs> to me. Probably no, <laughs> I, no, I, I kind of equate it to uh, around here and it's probably a chain. Uh, there's cold stone creameries where if you tip them, at least it used to be everyone there has to sing. And I didn't know that the first time. And then they no. called out people from the back and they started singing these like corporate, uh, you know, um, fair use ish ice cream related song parodies, basically thanking me for giving them a dollar because they gave us ice cream. And when you're not expecting that kind of cheer, uh, it's definitely it's oddly off putting when it shouldn't be because it should be welcoming and homey. But no, 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 no. Yes, that is a perfect example. Cause like I, it, it just, I was the space I was in with the juxtaposition of that like barrage of, I almost felt like toxic positivity. <laughs> <laughs> it's just too much and it felt like not real. So anyway, that's funny. Uh, you're going to talk about the new Filth is Eternal record, which I've listened to. It is a hell of a good time, which um, it's also like really intense, but it's also fun. Um, yeah. And totally. I think it's like no disrespect to your previous material under any name, but like it's probably your most fun record. Uh, it, like I agree. A, a specific thing I, that comes to mind is during um, where's my little 
it's body void. Uh, you, you, you say, let's go a bunch. And like, wasn't expecting that. So was the fun infused on purpose or were you just like in a mood during these recording days? Well, you know, I kind of, there was something I channeled. I've never actually talked about this with anyone yet um, in any of uh, my discussions I've had about the record, but um, there, I'm a huge fan of, you know, Amy Winehouse. And there was something that she did with her material where it, she would speak about really dark matters and, you know, things that were deeply personal um, and, and she would not be afraid to go there, but then she always said she would add a punchline at the end, or she'd make a, there'd always be some kind of joke at the very end. And I kind of just thought of that, of that a lot in this record. Like I need to talk about some really dark shit and maybe only I know it's dark, maybe to the outside world, it doesn't seem dark at all, but, but I need to end it with some sort of like, like a joke. Mm -hmm. I just need to, to, to kind of counterbalance the two the two feelings. So it is a fun record, uh, be probably because I made a point to find that balance, I think. And that was very intentional from the very start. Yeah. Okay. And there's almost, almost humor to the title find out. Cause everyone's, you know, yeah. got fuck around and find out in the zeitgeist, but reading the press release around it, it doesn't seem like it's supposed to be. Um, but I guess we all know what the find out is, but what's the fuck around of it? Well, right. And, you know, that's the whole thing is that that was kind of a, a that's the the joke, you know, all the everything else of about the title is serious. But then there's, you know, maybe it could be that, too. You know, I think it's just kind of leaning in. I mean, really, it means a lot of things, obviously. And if you kind of go through the songs, you know, you can apply it to each and every one of them differently. But all encompassing, it's just really trying to figure out what it is that you're trying to figure out, like, you know, at all costs. And even if the answers that you get, you don't like, <laughs> you're going to, for better or worse, you're going to be in a place and you're going to land in a different place by the time you get through. That kind of leads to the next question, which also in the press release is there's uh, this line about uh, a band being in the middle of a reawakening and rebirth sort of thing. Um, being in the middle of that rebirth, according to, I'm assuming these ideas came from you folks being the creators of the album and all that how do you know when said rebirth is complete or will you know exactly oh <laughs> shit okay never mind <laughs> exactly and that's why the song begins and ends kind of with the same feeling um like uh so the first track on the record half wrong it it, it asks a question and then there's a question asked at the end as well you know am i worthy of love on loveless and there is no, uh, I don't really complete the cycle. I, I leave it as if, you know, for the listener, they don't know how this ends. You know, so I wanted, I did that very intentionally. Now, does that become something you pick up later or is it just going to remain unanswered? Absolutely. It's a complete nod to the next record that we're already working on. And there's going to be massive pull through for this next release. We already even have the title of it, but I can't stop Of course. <laughs> You've become but yeah, it's, it's really a precursor, all these ideas, and there will be pull through. You've become so prolific with this band. How is it just like the need for it? Or is it just like the last, you know, three plus years have been hell and it's just like easy to be mad about stuff? Sure. No, I, I you know, I think it's an amalgam of everything. Like when I really look at it, it's just 
you know, and I know a lot of people went through this. So yes, of course I could not have, I had to have been affected by, you know, the, the world way the world changed. That was an intense time. You know, I, I've read about many records, uh, their descriptions of how they got there and how that influenced their writing. And a lot of people, it took a while to write. I mean, they started a lot of people in 2020 writing cycles, maybe even before that, but because of lockdown, I mean, a lot of these records didn't get released until 2022, 2023. So yes, that did have a huge part, uh, role to play in kind of what went into this record and the need to write the way that we wrote. Um, but I also think, I think I've just, I was going through a lot of changes and realizations. And so there's a lot of deeply personal, like more intimate um, things being expressed on this record than before. So I guess short answer is, I guess this is a more serious record, even though it's a more fun record, mm -hmm. it's a more serious record where in the past, I think I was having fun, but it came across maybe, I don't know. It's weird how those, the, this, the, uh, it has flipped. <laughs> sure. Uh, now I, I know you well enough to know what the, uh, like changes in yourself that you're referring to. Are you down to talk about those? Absolutely. Yeah. So I mean, go, yeah, no, go please, ahead. Please. So, uh, you've, you know, have come out as non-binary if I'm yes. understanding everything correctly, uh, is discussions of some of that discovering yourself, something that's coming through in this record and is that becoming cathartic or is that, was approaching it a challenge and all that stuff? Totally. That's, I mean, that's a great question. And, you know, I, I want, was wondering if how I was going to answer that, if that was going to come up in a conversation, because I don't know if I was in, that was completely intentional when I started writing the record, like, was that um, having an effect on the way I was writing, what I was writing. It's only in retrospect that I'm looking back, the more I'm like reviewing the content and the batch material and everything else, it almost seems like it was in there all along. Mm -hmm. And, but I wasn't conscious of it until I started kind of looking back at it. So that's a great question. I mean, I'm still trying to, as I'm going through this process of talking about the record, I'm realizing that I did pepper in some things in there that relate to this process of being able to come out and, and, and finding, you know, my identity, identity did play a role ultimately, but I don't know if I was consciously doing that, putting that in, it was more subconscious. I'm not a lyricist and I'm always jealous of when I find people who do write lyrics kind of discover things in themselves after the fact. It's such a fascinating process to me because I don't know, I slap a bass and it's not really too much deeper meaning, I guess, unless I sneak in a little run from somewhere else. But uh, <laughs> does that happen a lot with you where you're reading back on your old lyrics, whether it's, you know, this band or previous bands and you're like, oh, I knew something I didn't know that or something. Um, yeah, no, totally. I, a little bit on the record before this love is life, health is eternal, just a little, but uh, quite a bit more on this one. I mean, in all my past material, I would just say, no, it, it felt more like I was pretty like conscious when I was writing it and it was intentional. Um, this is the, this is the one though, that I look back and I'm like, Oh, <laughs> <laughs> like by having a lot more, Oh moments, you know, like, so yeah, that's, that's probably the best way I can answer that question. Looking in the mirror and be like, you're so wise and you didn't even know it's, it's, it's gotta be cool. Uh, yeah. I don't know about wisdom, <laughs> but definitely something was, something needed to be said and it came out either consciously or subconsciously, but 
way more of looking back and going, huh, <laughs> what was I saying there? I was definitely double entendre. Like I was yeah. speaking in layers on multiple songs. I can see it now, whereas before I couldn't. Uh, to change gear, gears a bit, I, I want to talk about sort of like the music of the album, because it also feels like your most adventurous of this yeah. band. Um, was this like you guys kind of establishing your sound and now you feel like you earn the right to mess around? Because like you've never been a super straight ahead, but like there's a straight up prog song on this. <laughs> like, uh, Which one do you consider prog? Which oh, one? Uh, blah, blah, blah. Signal Decay. Yeah. <laughs> like it reminds me of Mutoid Man, who I saw you with with Ox years and yes, years ago, yes. but like kind of slowed down and like a little less chaotic. Yeah, totally. Um, I love that band so much. I love every member of it. Um, I, yeah. So Brian writes the material and, you know, I just, I write the lyrics, the melodies, et cetera, but he writes all the material and he brings it to the table and the songs he brought, you know, he actually had a batch of way more. It was like 22 and we whittled them all down um but to the 14 that we chose but uh, he was more adventurous mm -hmm. there was something happening with his writing i mean i could hear it in the rooms when he was just messing around and um i don't know i felt like he and i don't think it was that he felt like it was time to do it it just happened you know and we talked about this often i was like oh this sounds kind of grungy and he goes oh <laughs> like <laughs> yeah it does <laughs> and he goes oh i don't know and then that was like kind of where it went there was he was just writing and and i was like let's go like seriously i'm really into this adventurous you know spirit or whatever's happening with you let's just roll with it let's like not block this um creative energy so that's kind of where it came down to and where, where it came from so the let's go cheer from that song is also sort of the mantra of the entire album it really is. And that's why when we're doing even this little mini run that we're doing uh, coming up with um, Australian band uh, King Parrot, um, we are excited just because I was just like, it is. It's like a let's go. Let's just go find out. Like, let's play these songs live and and see how people receive them and, and see what happens. Uh, a question I had about like a very specific. It's literally one word on the entire album. It's on the gate. You when the song's kicking in, you yell check as if you're doing a mic check. This is something I hear a lot in hip hop. I rarely hear in rock or metal music. Was this a real mic check that kept in or is this a lyric on the sheet? This, oh, let me, oh, I want to be honest about this one. <laughs> let me dig into my, let me tap the cerebral cortex. Um, I think I just did it in the studio and I think we kept it. Cool. <laughs> I really think that just came out. And then instead of, and here's the thing, I have to give a lot of credit to Paul Fig um, because he, it was really a collaborative effort on the production of the vocals. I was trying to make things like, I would have probably said, no, get rid of that. And he's like, no, we got to keep it. Like that was his spirit and energy the whole time. And I, and, and now looking back, um, I'm so grateful that he kept kind of kind of helped me like worked with me to keep some of those weird oddities in because now it's like my favorite that's my favorite shit. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I listen back and I'm like I love that check. Yeah, like it caught me off guard. I'm like that was rad. Like it's not something I hear often. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's that's Paul. That just if you could just explain and wrap put him in a in a package right there with a ribbon like he's all about bringing out the 
oddities and eccentricities and allowing them to breathe. Like there were so many times, and I feel like this is important to, to express where I was trying to, even with like pitch, like I was like, it has to be perfect. And he was like, could, he's like, he'd have me listen to tunes to inspire me to like loosen my grip. And I can't even remember, recall right in this moment in space and time what they were, but, and he'd be like, you got to let go a little bit more. Like you're so tight. And he goes, your lyrics are all about either letting go or like, you know, breaking out. And like, he's like, you just got to like, do this, relax. And he's like, sometimes let it be a little bit loose, you know? And I'm like, and looking back, I'm kind of, I'm really glad, not kind of, I'm really glad we did that. How so working with him was a success on the album? Cause like, I mean, the album's fantastic. And I, I imagine like some of that weirdness is part of what, you know, helped certain moments make the record, but how, like work with the producer, is that something you've done previously on like to this degree? Well, you know, I have to say like Robert Cheek, who's done a lot of our material, he has kind of, you know, responsible, I think, for taking me from a place where I was like, you know, <laughs> in the studio and getting me to a place where I feel more confident. And so it, I would say in a way it's, you know, he ultimately, Robert Cheek, got me to that place, you know? And then I, by the time I got to Paul Fig, I was, I don't know, open and porous for like being able to take feedback. So I I feel like all the growing up, I have to uh, attribute to Bob Cheek and then taking it to that next level. And I have to attribute to my time spent with Paul Fig in the studio in a very short period of time. It, it was just like kind of that next chapter in a way. Last time you were on the podcast, you kind of touched on sort of breaking out your shell a little bit because with Ox, you're behind the keyboard and then you were on, you know, you're a front person and you still, of course, are. But now you're literally the cover person on the album. How has being pushed to the forefront even more been for you? Right. Um, you know, it's interesting because we went back and forth with it. And, you know, I, I don't know. I've never discussed this with anyone, but that picture um it was uh, it was taken by a friend of ours becky um it was interesting because that tour it's that's the tour and right after that tour is when i think shortly thereafter i kind of came out as non-binary and felt like my expressions changed and how my you know my outward even appearance and how i was expressing myself with gender identity and everything. So that image kind of is powerful to me because I went all in on that tour. Like I was wearing, um, I was expressing myself there with a lot of femininity and there's like, I'm wearing a dress, but that picture, that image is me falling. I'm in the middle of falling down on the stage and I'm wearing this like dress. And I don't know, there's just something about that moment that felt really right when I started by the time we got to that point where we were picking out imagery. So I don't even know if I fully understand it even yet in this moment in space and time, but the more I'm staring at that image, even though it's me, like I feel like it was the perfect image for this record. That's very cool. Um, I think I saw you on that tour. I believe that's, yeah, that's, right. that's when you played that art space red museum in Sacramento with, oh, with King, King Woman. Woman. Yeah. And, oh my gosh. That was such a cool show. That was, that's a, right. it was an incredible show. Like everyone I knew who was at the show that wasn't super familiar with y'all were like, they were incredible. Um, but oh. that was a very interesting space to see a show like that. What is the weirdest venue that you've played? <laughs> oh, weirdest venue. Okay. You know, I think 
or most it interesting was, doesn't have to be weird per se, I guess. No, totally. I mean, there's been so many, and I would say there's been quite a few weird ones. <laughs> weird in the way that it's just different, you know, like than a standard or in a bar or, or a club or a larger venue. I'll never forget, and I cannot remember if it was somewhere in Indiana or Wyoming. Like, I can't remember. I my brain just doesn't. It can't recall fully, but I remember what happened. We get to this space, we pull up, and there is. It's a giant warehouse out in the middle of nowhere. And I, I think it's Indiana somewhere, but, and the kids were, they had bed mattresses on like rollers and they were, they were doing a pit of bed mattresses. Whoa. It was a bed mattress pit, but there was like two pits coming at each other or two uh, mattresses with people like four five, six people on the mattresses, <laughs> mattress pit. Yeah, I, I'll never forget it. And I, except for where it was, I mean, I forgot that part, but I'll never forget the images that come in my mind. <laughs> mattress. Pit. Now I have follow-up questions, of course. So was of it course. like, was it like a wall of death, but there are mattresses. And then when yes, the mattresses that's the way to describe it, correct. <laughs> when the mattresses hit, did they then use the momentum to jump into each other and then land yes, back on the mattresses? A hundred percent. And then they would roll them back and then the next kids would jump on and they <laughs> You know, that's a really smart idea. More people should incorporate that because and except for the meet in the middle part, it seems very safe. Yeah. <laughs> like even being on the edge of a pit, I've gotten hurt. Like, the, but people doing strip walls of death seem like they're going to limp away. These, these walls of death with mattresses. I mean, you cannot. I mean, I've seen it all. I've seen it. I feel like I've seen it all because I, I'm in Reddit and I'm another like forums, discord stuff. But like, I have not seen that repeated since I saw that in person. <laughs> so if you're listening to this, bring your uh, Casper Master mattress or whatever else you got to the next uh, Filth is Eternal show and exactly. get cozy. 100%. <laughs> totally. um, a recent photo that you posted had you with a D&D book. What is your, oh, yeah. what is your D&D game look like? Like, do you have a, a long running campaign? Like, what's your character class go to? Please tell me all about it. It's, okay, a, it's yeah. a world I'm so fascinated well, in, but I've only very briefly dipped a toe in. Right, totally. And I mean, and to be completely transparent, I'm like the eternal beginner. Okay. You know what I mean? So like I keep starting campaigns and and we get through and then there's these huge gaps between playing with friends. And then I feel like I forget most things and then I start again and I'm super excited. And like, so, but there's just a lot to learn. And I feel like, now knowing the upkeep and how much I love it, I'm probably going to have several campaigns to, so that I'm always kind of going in rotation if one group can't make it or we need to take, you know, some time off because people are touring or whatever. I can at least go to like maybe an online version. In fact, there is an online version I just looked at that I may have been invited to um, where you kind of go through and do your turn base, but you type it in. So okay. I don't know. It's, it's just super fun. But um, the character, my go-to character is always a warlock. And I like to sort of dish a lot of um, damage, you know, with the kind of one shot. So Eldritch Blast is sort of my go-to. And I just love gaming, period. I, I'm a huge gamer and I have been since I was a little kid. And, um, and I think a huge part of that, and I think a lot of people might relate with this, is that I was pretty, like, super shy growing up, like, really shy, total, totally awkward, still am, even though most people may not think that because when you are fronting out there and running around, they might think you're like, uh, not that, not the case, but I'm super shy. Um, and gaming has helped me kind of feel like I have a connection to people. It's been really great to have 
that is a social outlet, whether I'm gaming like World of Warcraft or playing like tabletop. Um, it's just always, I've always been able to find like a crew or a team of people or, you know, some buds squat up and not feel alone or isolated. So uh, there's a title on the new album, Roll Critical, which seems like it, it alludes to D&D, but I, I, I didn't hear like a full on power metal song from you there. Uh, is sword and sorcery dragon yeah. shit in your future? Yeah. So Roll Critical is completely about that hell yeah <laughs> um it's yeah it's totally like, yeah and i'm not so um i felt like the record like you said it's more it's 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 a fun record and i felt like writing a song about the thing i love more than anything else which is gaming and in particular role critical you know critical role um i tend to turn words around so i would always say instead of critical role i was like role critical so that's a little uh secret that nobody knows but um now everyone will uh but yeah, it's just my love for the game. I love it so much. And I was like, why not talk about something that brings me joy in the midst of all these other conversations, me talking about, you know, existential crisis and my nihilism and all this other crap. Like, let's talk about something that, um, that I love, you know? So yeah, <laughs> to create more balance. Uh, to wind us down last time you're on and speak of things you enjoy, you recommended uh, backwash to me who, is somebody I've checked out and I thought was really cool. I believe that's, I thought I wrote it down, right? Uh, who is another artist that you've been enjoying lately? Who's been bringing you joy musically? Who can you recommend to me personally, I guess? You know, I think lately it's been bands that are sort of coming out of the Tacoma area. Cause like, you know, we're Seattle and there's tons of awesome bands always forever. But I've been really just loving these bands that are coming out of Tacoma and Tacoma has a really, really beautiful, strong scene. And, you know, the two that pop, well, I think Tears of Joy is a combination of Tacoma and Seattle as far as members go. Um, I could be wrong about that. So apologies if that's the case. But the other one's Denial of Life. And they were one of the bands that Botch chose to play when they played in Tacoma. And they've been kind of on my radar, but I'm full on in love with that band. Um, I love what they do. I love the sound. I love the people. And you know, I don't want to use the term underrated, but I feel like they deserve so much more exposure. <laughs> um, and I just wanted to shine a light on them. And then the other thing I'd love to shine a light on is a group of people, um, Brainstem Productions, who help bands. They put on shows. Um, they've been really, they've been kind to us, but beyond that, I mean, just the way they take care of each other and the community down there is also worth shining a light on. And last and not least, Real Art Tacoma. I mean, we have their project here in Seattle and we're part of that now again, which is beautiful. And But Real Art in Tacoma, um, they're always looking for help and support. And uh, I actually have them up on my Instagram account right now um, as supporting Real Art. Um, so if you wanted to go to my Instagram, um, Lise D'Angelo, you'll see it up there. And they sure would appreciate the support and any support you could throw them. So those are the three things I'd love to share. Very cool all over. Uh, fun little fact. I was born in Tacoma. I've only, are you serious? I was only been there one other time, but I got there and I'm like, this feels weirdly right here. It does. And that's the thing is like, you know, I love Seattle so much, but it's so expensive. And honestly, it's, we're getting kind of like costed out. Like mm -hmm. I'm getting to the point where I just, I don't know how much longer I can afford to be here. So I, the very first place I've been looking is Tacoma and maybe Portland, but um I just love the people there. I feel like it's such a strong scene and everyone takes care of each other and has each other's back. So I definitely have my eyes on it. And yeah. Very cool. Filth Eternal's coming for Tacoma. <laughs> That's right. <laughs>
Some of Pressure Me from Find Out by Filth is Eternal. The record drops September 29th, but you can pre order your copy now at filthiseternal.bandcamp.com. Then, as always, I would like to invite you to head over to farbandmetalpodcast.com. There, if you're in your band, you can hit me up to be on the show. You can find past episodes, a little merch link, friends of the show, and a lot of other good stuff. The theme song is Far Beyond Metal by the band Strap Young Lad from their album The New Black, courtesy of Century Media Records and Devin Townsend himself. Thank you for listening. A Catbox Production.